communication skills and communication style and efficiency is vital. So it's not just the fact that you get back to somebody in a timely manner, which is vital. Uh, it's also how you communicate to that person. Um, so, you know, when you get to know your customers, you, you re I respond to, to emails or the phone calls at scale. So if, if one relationship is totally like straight up, you know, by the book, you know, you know, you know, you're dealing with a certain type of person that, you know, just wants ABC outlined, you kind of deal with them at that level. If there's a person that wants to, that prefers email versus text or vice versa, then you deal with them at that level. The messaging matters as well. How you communicate with that person at their level is vital. And because at the end of the day, another part of successful selling is dealing with people and communicating with them, especially today when text messaging, there's all sorts of messaging and all sorts of stuff. You have to understand that they may not come over to your type of communication. When you're calling on the phone, trying to get them, they may not have the time for that. Most people won't pick up the phone. On this episode of Echoes in the Bones, Everell Reed joins us. Everell is an author, sales mastery and personal development coach, and the host of the Reed Method Insider podcast. Everald, who is one of Canada's leading sales executives, speaks about his early days in Jamaica and his passion for personal development, sales mastery, and his pet project that is helping small business owners in Jamaica. Everald, welcome to Echoes in the Bones. Absolutely. This, this is a pleasure to be on your show. It's a pleasure to have you. Listen, we want to hear about Everall Reed. It's okay. uh, a lot of, of Jamaicans are doing brilliant stuff, outstanding stuff outside in the world. And we need to let our fellow Jamaicans and the rest of the world who listen to our podcast to know about people like yourself. So tell us about Everall. Where did it start for you? Well, it definitely started... At, at Yard, so to speak. Um, South Manchester where was uh, my birthplace. And, uh, you know, I, I migrated to Canada when I was early, uh, pretty young, at around 10 years old for a year. And then uh, actually went back to do high school a year later at Wilmers. So um, after high school, then I came back to Canada in 86 and went on to do, you know, to finish college actually i didn't even finish college it's one of the part of the story that's in my book because i walked into a car dealership looking for a summer job and that was the end of that um and that's how i ended up in the automotive space back in 1989 before i was even 19 years old if you can believe it and uh went on from there to become a senior manager at a huge toyota store when i was age 23 24 and uh, my sales and management career like blossomed from there, even to the point of owning my own used car dealership and being in senior management for Lexus and Toyota. So, but you know, the, the funny thing is 
it wasn't the plan. My plan was while I was in college was to become an airline pilot. I, I, I wanted to become a commercial pilot so bad. It stings me every day I see an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so. Let, let, let's, let's go back to the Jamaican experience. What was it like for you? Uh, are you a country boy? I'm a country boy through and through. We got, you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I look at people today in Canada where they go to their cottage on the weekends and I'm like, I had all of that in Jamaica, yeah. <laughs> right? Maybe it wasn't close to the water, but at the end of the day, we had our own farm, pick whatever you want, run around freely. Like it was no different. And I'm like, I had all of that growing up, except it was in the warm climate. Okay, so did did growing up in the in the rural areas of Jamaica prepare you for the kind of experiences and the discipline and the the, the kind of you know self motivation that it took to, to to rise to the position that you did in Canada? You know, absolutely. I think it's grounded in the roots, and I've I've gone to develop courses on personal development, which goes right back to the very days of you know, when I was seven and eight years old. I mean, my mom <clears throat> left uh, for Canada when I was very young. I'm told like when I was 10 months or a year or something like that, you know, and, and which I, I later joined her in Canada. But so I grew up as most young kids do with their grandparents or their aunts. So I grew up with my aunt being a teacher. I had two aunts who were teachers, police officer, uncle, uh, not in the same household, and, but around me. So that type of, you know, focus and discipline had been engraved in my, in me since I was a young age. Um, the sense of responsibility and learning how to do things, just thinking that it was normal to learn how to cook at a young age or how to normal, how to organize yourself and, you know, take the bus mm -hmm. uh, at age seven and eight from Grovetown, Manchester up to Prattville by yourself or to Mandeville by yourself and think nothing of it. Woolmers, how was it? Yes, <laughs> Woolmers. Um, you know that was an eye opener for me because, as I said, I I went to Woolmers after being in Canada for for a year, so going back to Jamaica and then ending up at Woolmers Boys School, uh, it it was great. I I, you never realize how historic a place it is until you actually almost left. I was ready to leave there. I'm like. This school is like almost 300 years old. It's the oldest school in the entire Eastern Caribbean. You know, there's so much history there. So much uh, of Jamaica's best have come uh, out of Woolmers. But I met some great people there. Uh, some some friends I even know till today that end up right here in Toronto, Canada, and who 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 I've met. You know, some some after years. But uh, Woolmers was a great it was a great experience in that you know going to a boys school you know there was that aspect of it being involved with with different events and believe it or not one of my teachers my art teacher ended up being here in, in Toronto and he keeps you know reminds me of the days when I was in Jamaica and uh but but Jamaica it was great I mean I learned a lot from the kids there was so much you know a there was a variety how would I put it there was uh, kids from all walks of life that were that attended Woolmers uh, with me and you know there were kids that were more affluent they were more you know from affluent families uh, whether politicians successful people 
and they were just regular old country folks like myself. So it gave me a good perspective of what, you know, coming from the country and then living in Canada and then living in Kingston, yeah. you know, that was kind of a whole whirlwind of what to expect. You're in Canada now, in college, and then all of a sudden you get this job. <laughs> and so give us some details on that because that's, that seems to be a very interesting uh, story. Yeah, so I was in college. I, I got accepted to college like when I was 17. So being born in September, um, the school year would typically start before my birthday. So I, I would have been in college 17 going on 18, right? So, and I remember driving uh, on the 401. If anybody's familiar with the Highway 401 in, in Canada, it's, I mean, they do National Geographic show on, on this highway because it's, it's busy, right? And I would drive on this highway from Brampton all the way to Scarborough to Centennial College. Uh, I was studying aircraft engineering. And that was like me, you know, on the highway, on this major highway with one other guy that would drive with me. And it was, that alone was an experience. It was madness driving on the highway to get to college. And then, you know, it, I, I, liked, I liked the course a lot, but, and it was supposed to take me to, to another level where the next step was for me to, to, to learn how to fly and to become a pilot. And one summer, you know, I was actually living on my, on my own by then, if you can believe it. When I went back to Canada, I only stayed with my, my mom's place about a year. And I just was ready to go. Uh, and so I literally left home when I was 17, never looked back. I was working at Red Lobster and there's a lot of stories about Red Lobster. I was working at Red Lobster at $4.35 an hour with my best friend, Greg. We walked down from the high school to Red Lobster, got a job, and uh, that paid my ways. Bought my first car, paid my rent of, I think it was $400 a month or something like that, my room. And that was me being Mr. Independent. But one of the things that I, I tell my kids today is, that, that I learned was the discipline from back home in South Manchester or in Kingston at Wilmers or in my growing up, though when I never adapted any bad habits. So those who would smoke would smoke. Those who would do other things would do other things. But even if I were hanging around people that were smoking, I never did it. I just was never interested. So and even though I was so even though I was living by my living on my own at a young age, I always had a core, the core principles that were engraved in me from a young age that certain things is just not okay. Yeah. You know, so I so I never even liked it. Like if you're smoking around me, it's like that's the biggest thing that like drives me crazy. So so something so things like that. So it it, it was an opportunity for me to to make my own mark to learn from a ton of mistakes that I made. Okay, like, trust me, it, it, I mean, it, it, it has not been an easy road. Yeah. Okay, but that was a choice too, so. So you're telling us about the, 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 the journey. You were on the 404 and uh, 401. How, do you, how did you end up uh, working, working in the car, the automobile business? So, um, so I left Red Lobster after a bit and, you know, a, a couple 
other part-time jobs in between while going to school. And one summer, I, I walked into a, the Toyota store in, in Mississauga, and I was 18, turning 19 that summer. And uh, as, I, as I allude to in the book, um, they made the mistake of hiring me. This is 1989. And I'm like, I know nothing about selling cars, but I know about Toyotas because they're all over the Jamaica. I know it's a reliable car. I mean, I'd buy one. So, <laughs> you know, I must be able to convince people to buy them if, if I buy one. Yeah. So, so I did that. Uh, I walked in and they hired me and, you know, it was, it was a tough year. The first year, the first year was, was a, it was a huge learning curve. Young black kid. I was the only visible, not only visible, but I was the only Jamaican, you know, salesperson there working, learned a lot, learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes. I only made 25,000 Canadian dollars that year, which is, you know, borderline minimum wage for that year but it was a huge learning curve and the very next year that literally doubled right so I noticed I started to pick up and learn things you know like you go through things for a year and <clears throat> the next year comes then you know January February March the seasons the the model changes the the the, the sales incentive programs and you learn everything right and pretty soon you're going through and you've seen the same type of scenario and, and situation and you know how to deal with it. So I became, you know, a little bit hooked on this business, um, but it was primarily because I was learning and progressing that hooked me in and the money kept getting better and better. And I moved from that dealership a year later or two years later to another store which is a whole other story, which is all, a bit of it is also included in the book. And it's where I met a major, uh, one of my main mentors who hired me. He, he, and it turned out to be the owner of this massive dealership. Uh, I, I didn't realize I was talking to the owner when I went to this other place for an interview. And uh, I was hired there. And by the time I was uh, 23 years old, they had promoted me to the assistant sales manager for this dealership. And a year and a half later, by the time I was 25, I was the, the, the full sales manager there and the youngest in all of Canada uh, going, to win, going on to win a National Grand Master Sales Award in 1995. Um, so all, all the awards, and there's tons of them, like <laughs> it's decades of it. So they're like everywhere. Yeah. Um, but that actually propelled my my career my sense of entrepreneurship my sense of management my sense of you know possibilities um to to new levels and uh um from there i went on to hold senior positions with lexus as in management opening up dealerships with other owners uh all sorts of stuff so during that period you because you dropped out of school to yes your, your dreams without you re even realizing what you were doing. What, yes. what did you do to ensure that you learned from your mistakes in terms of doing, you know, reading books, doing courses, that sort of thing? Because you are now a trainer. So yes. what, what did you do during that period to improve and sharpen your skills? You know, a lot of it was on the fly. And, and when you're talking in the 90s, okay, Occasionally, there'd be Grant Cardone training. 
you know, or one or two other sales training courses that they would send you on. But one of the great things about the company I was with, Toyota at the time, was Toyota was and still is a leader in, in you know, with their philosophy of continuous improvement, uh, the Kaizen philosophy. So we were always doing sales training and all sorts of product training and plant tours and kickoff launches and, you know, walk around, walk arounds and sales quizzes. So that was the nature of it. And occasionally, you know, there'd be, but I never actually embraced personal development in that era. I actually learned a lot back then by experience, like being saying, okay, well, you're a great salesperson. You're a great communicator. How about now you become the sales manager, right? And learning from mentors and learning from people and learning on the fly. Yeah. Right. So, but it was much later in life, uh, Dennis, much later in life that I embraced personal development to the point where I now teach it and, and the importance of personal development, right? It was literally after I had, you know, bought my first two, three homes and had, had my children and, you know, uh, you know, marriage and all that stuff where all these other responsibilities were coming on me. And there was some, I wanted to be better. Like I had accomplished so much at a young age, yeah. right? That, and I had made so many mistakes and I had made, had so many accomplishments, but there was always something missing, right? And that's when I, I, I embraced personal development just prior to writing my own book. Um, you know, I started writing the book in 2014, um, but I, I, um, that was when it became a very big deal for me that I started reading books uh, and, and writing books and reading books and creating courses because I realized that with my experience, for, which was now over two decades, it's now three decades, but over two decades at the time that I had a lot to contribute because yeah. there was so much there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But how do you go out and teach people when, yeah, your resume says that you've been a manager, your resume says that you've accomplished all of these you know, won all these awards and, and, and whatnot, but, you know, what is the core? What, what, what else do you have to show? Yeah. And that's when I decided to publish the book. Essentially what you're, the process you're explaining is that over a 20 year period, you had a heuristic type, type of approach, which is basically yeah. learning on the fly, making yes. the mistakes, getting in the trenches and understanding it. And then you reached to the point where you said, listen, I have some unique experience. I have developed some unique skills and I'm going to codify it. Yes. So you, 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 you develop what we call an algorithmic approach. So it's from a heuristic approach to an algorithmic approach where you codify all of these stuff that, that, that is, it comes out of your personal experience. And you mentioned the fact that you had coaches and you had people who, who, who mentored you. And so you're at this point where you put it in a book. So tell us about the book. It's called? Yeah. So the book is The Read Method, yeah. a blueprint for achieving sales mastery. And um, <laughs> I even sold the last one I had in the office. So uh, <laughs> there's a new order coming in or else I'd, I'd show it to you. But uh, since we put it online, they've, they've been selling online as well. So, so the book, uh, 
the, the title was kind of hard to come up with. And I was one of the one of the editors I was working with. Um, I asked them to give me to give me some suggestions and they said, uh, well, what about the read method? And I'm like, the read method, like why? <laughs> you know, but it actually ended up becoming not just the name of the book, but the name of my company and the actual philosophy that I teach, which is a method yeah. of sales and business success. You know, my method or my recommended methods of sales and business success. And, and that particular book, the first one is about, you know, achieving uh, the, a blueprint or my recommended blueprint for achieving sales mastery. So mm -hmm. it, in, it, you know, it covers a lot from uh, communication, uh, goal setting, uh, marketing, you know, teamwork, uh, personal development, right? Yeah. Big deal. So yeah. it covers all, all of those things. You mentioned marketing. And there is an a, a issue sometimes that come up as uh, I've been in, in management positions and I find that sometimes organizations can differentiate between marketing and sales. So can yes. you elaborate on, on, on that issue for me? <laughs> well, yeah, Mark, the difference between marketing and sales and yes, um, I mean, I ran a marketing, so outside of the automotive space for, uh, so it's now 30, 31 years, okay? Uh, actually, call it 30. Uh, August will be 31. So in the last 30 years, um, 22 have been in the automotive space, and eight has been with a marketing company that I ran for six years um, that we actually did marketing in the real estate space across North America. So... What's the difference between marketing and sales? And, and um, so especially today when there's um, social media, social media and all sorts of media plays such a massive role in getting your name out there or getting your product out. Marketing is an essential part uh, of any business uh, success. And one of the key things today that, that drives successful marketing is not just the product, but it's the people behind the product, right? So, um, so marketing is basically brand awareness. It's, a, you know, getting across your philosophy, why people should buy your brand. And it's also largely about your story. Um, story, people buy stories today. They buy, I mean, which is, you know, we talk about the company that I just launched, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into, but, what is the purpose? What is the philosophy? What is that core purpose? Yeah. And that's what the marketing messages will get out is, okay, we're here to do X, okay? Here's our core purpose. Here's why we're doing it. And that needs to resonate in your marketing. And then sales is the ability to convert those people that would come into your establishment um, with using some of your story and given them a, a, a compelling reason why they should do business with your company as opposed to the competition, right? And largely sales in sales again, especially today, um, sales is about selling yourself yeah. because if, especially if a product is available in multiple places, um, what's the differentiator between you and 
your your business or you're doing business with you versus the competition down the street and that that inevitably just comes down to the person that they're dealing with so sales today a lot of come a lot of people think selling is selling this tangible product like the cell phone you know it's got all these features it's got the greatest technology right but this cell phone is available at a thousand different places okay the difference today in selling is why should they buy that from you mm -hmm. even though you might be able to articulate the features and benefits the same as the next person you, you, you mentioned that at, at some point after 20 years, you were very successful, but th there was something missing and, and mm -hmm. moved into personal development. But you also uh, started to increase your kind of give back. And, yes. and you never left out Jamaica. So there's, no. there's something that you did in Jamaica. Tell us about that. <laughs> oh my goodness um when, when we talk about jamaica you get more excited more excited <laughs> <laughs> well I, I i do i do um you know you know i'll, I'll show you the one thing thing before that yeah. when when i started getting called to do lectures at the two colleges humber college and georgian college and i would walk into the to the lecture halls or the classrooms and i'd see jamaican students up here doing their um business courses you know it, it it was those are some of the best days you know when when you have that it's like oh my goodness these people are from exactly where i'm from and i'm teaching them and one of the most emotional moments <clears throat> for me was when Gettys refrigeration called me on spanish stone road Gettys called me about four years ago um and and i went out there and i delivered um a one-day course to them and i'm like this is unbelievable warmer's boys school is just up the road you know and it brought so much of that you know feeling as this is this is unbelievable like this is a 75 year old company yeah. that values what i have to say to to their team and 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 they're eating it up and and that was that made me feel that there was so much more that i could do but I can tell you. So back to the story of what we're doing now. Um, so during the during the COVID time, um, actually prior to COVID, I, and there are files here somewhere. Um, and anyways, I'll give you an idea. So I had three files like this, okay? And I and I do a lot of stuff like this with with notes. And I had I had one company called uh, I had one um, auto spa company that I was going to bring to Jamaica. I had even raised funds for this company and started the capital, raising capital. And then I had, so I had written down Yadi. I had written down this auto spa company. Both were to go to Jamaica. Okay. Um, and just when we were thinking of, okay, let's, let's look for locations and this and that in, in Jamaica. And that research was full on the COVID situation hit and you know, so that threw that for a loop. But months into it, okay, I sat in this very office here for months during COVID, during the lockdown, and I did tons of podcasts and went on so many Zoom calls and this and that. And it dawned on me one day, I was talking to a friend of mine in Mobay uh, after I'd written down. So believe it or not, I had, re I had registered this domain name August of 2018. 
mm -hmm. and did not do anything with it until during the COVID time. I'm like, oh my goodness, what are these vendors doing that were solely dependent on the tourism and now there's no tourism? What are these small businesses doing? And I have the concept of how to, um, of growing up in the country, knowing that there are so many talented, undiscovered Jamaicans all across the island. Some of the very best talents in the world, okay, come from there. We know that food, music, athletes, yeah, okay, various products. And beyond the big brands or the recognizable brands, behind that, there are thousands of Jamaicans who have made some of the great best pieces of art, clothing, foods, whatever, but are limited in their capacity to take it to market or to showcase it on a national, let alone international stage. So I thought, let me try to solve this problem for them. Let me try to find a way to seek out the best products, these talented vendors, get it out of the country, put it on a platform that markets, advertise, showcases, but tells their story, the story of the people, the story that's involved in what inspired them to make their products mm -hmm. and put that all on one platform and solve the problem for these vendors of exporting, marketing, advertising, shipping, fulfillment, you know, collecting payments by credit cards from people all over the world and ultimately getting the money into their bank accounts. Right? How do I solve all of those problems? Mm -hmm. And when I thought it through, I said, okay, the company, I'll name the company Yadi because I'm referring to Yad. I'm, you know, as we say in Jamaica. Um, and one of the phrases I created was, okay, experience the Yadi vibes or from our Yad to yours. Right? Or, you know, and, and these are the things that went through my head. And I, um, one of my team members that is, is one of my designers, an IT guy from my other consulting company, um, he said, you know, I, I said, I'm going to hire somebody to build this site. And he goes, no, 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 no. I, he goes, I'll build it. I'll build it. You know, and he was passionate about helping me to build this site. That was just an idea. Right. And I shared it with three or four people. And it's like, they were already in, they were like already taking a seat at the table, ready to go uh, with this concept. And, you know, it, it, it comes down to relationships, Dennis, I'm telling you, um, I, 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 you know, I feel sorry for people who are not, who don't get out of their shells and don't get up out of bed every day with the inspiration of meeting and communicating with people every day because relationships and communication is where it's at. And one phone call to one person in Jamaica, okay? And that person now works for the company, by the way, he put me on to one vendor in Mobay. That one vendor found four vendors. Between all of them, I had a hundred products in no time specifically with those four vendors. I worked day and night with them. My team worked with them. I hired photographers, videographers, and we built it around just four people with a hundred products. Yeah. And created the concept 
of showcasing local talents to the world in the company called yadi.com yeah impressive and that's how that started and it's and it's doing well it's i have to say it's doing better than well it's doing i mean we're not making profits or anything at this point but it's not i mean no company starts in four months and does that that yeah. just like that yeah but the prospects of it the possibilities are absolutely enormous okay right that's that's my optimism is that people are buying into the concept they have seen the results we have delivered the results we've delivered payments to multiple bank accounts in jamaica right from this office yeah every month to vendors whose products would still be sitting on the on those shelves fantastic or in those shops brilliant brilliant what 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 other projects you have in mind for jamaica and and do you have any other projects in in terms of your overall uh positioning well okay so we'll, we'll just <clears throat> just to wrap up on the uh, so so right now we are in a i mean we're we're approaching close to 300 products shortly uh yadi will probably have a thousand products and a hundred vendors in a matter of the next six months mm -hmm. uh all jamaicans uh after that and the model is per perfected with jamaica because that's the odd for me and that's where it, you know the grounds are yeah. then that will be duplicated across of the caribbean region but jamaica is the birthplace of yadi and um i will continue to so th that's coming in now from us seeking vendors vendors are calling us okay vendors are emailing us vendors are going on the site and getting referrals from other people yeah. so and we are now being asked about representing even bigger brands on the site um so there's all sorts of possibilities there um so we we expect to take yadi to to new heights with with jamaicans and you know one of these days when it's safe to do so we'll probably do uh, a conference out there or some sort of a trade show um for vendors mm -hmm. uh, that we can onboard vendors but aside from that um one of my biggest thrills one of the things i actually love most as well is is teaching and coaching and uh or you know and speaking and um you know i can't wait to get back out to jamaica so my ideal um thing and i think you and i had discussed this briefly is yeah. you know getting in front of many of these companies and uh, corporations in jamaica and across the caribbean who are looking to transform their organization um this is what it's about for me. I've done this in Canada with many companies it's, and, and the United States. This is not a matter of if it happens. It's a matter of the fact that it, it does. Companies uh, are transformed by individuals. It's not, you know, you can have all the technology in the world and technology will get you to a certain point. You know, automation gets you to a certain point depending on the type of business you're operating. But, you know, in this day and age when, uh, we can see that consumers drive business especially with the amazons of this world and the zooms and all this yeah. online activity it's still people in their homes clicking buy right and and clicking the yes button so the my goal here is you know to to go across the island of jamaica and to help individuals who want to learn the best of them 
become the best version of themselves yeah. from a personal development perspective from a okay there are, we are all selling something okay and those who say that they they don't sell or they you know they hate selling well mm. you know if you're working in a dentist office or a doctor's office and you're the receptionist you're still selling because yeah. if you can walk if your patients walk in and you're grumpy okay you're going to turn them off yeah. okay if you if you greet them with a smile and with a welcome you're helping that company to grow and to sustain long-term clients. So that's that's selling, if it's even a smile. Um, so my goal is to really help uh, Jamaicans in another aspect. Um, aside from Yadi is from the Read Method side, yeah. where um, sales conferences, um, coaching sessions, helping companies to improve. Because if you improve the individuals within these organizations, then those individuals go to work feeling much more, you know, um, encouraged, happy, pumped, you know, and that drives productivity in organizations. And that's how you transform Absolutely. organizations so, to huge so, profitability. So together with ICPI, we, we, we're going to make that happen. We're going to make that happen. All right. All right. <laughs> so listen, finally. Uh, you mentioned your book. Please tell us the name of the book, where it's available, and just give us another two books that you'd recommend people read for self-development and and, and 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 moving forward. So, you give just remind us about your sales book and some other books. Two okay, books. so so definitely the read method. Okay. The Read Method, A Blueprint for Achieving Sales Mastery, available on Amazon, available on Indigo, uh, available on yadi.com yeah, as well. <laughs> All right, or anywhere online. Um, one of the 40 books that are, are in my library here, one of the books that's the, the, the shortest book is the one that I think everybody needs to read right away. And that book is As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. Okay, the book is about 102 years old, and it, it describes the, you know, the inner philosophies of man's thinking. It's a, a lot comes out of how the individual thinks, right? So if you think negative things, negative stuff happens. If you think positive things, you know, that is more mm -hmm. the energy. So as a man thinketh, uh, amazing book, okay? And there are several others that I've read, but I can tell you the one that has impressed me lately among many others is uh, I'm almost done reading A Promised Land by Barack Obama. Okay. Yeah, and I'm telling you right now, this is the longest audiobook I've ever picked up. It's 29 hours long, this book. So that's a long book, okay? <laughs> that's a big book. Yeah. But um, one of my, one of the, so that book, um, I think if anybody ever, you know, especially, you know, Jamaicans or, or, or folks in the Caribbean who are looking for a reason to stop, you know, making excuses and to get up every day and to realize that it is possible for a black man to become a president, you know, uh, of a major country like the United States is to is to read that book, A Promised Land, where his story is told all the way up um, to becoming president and beyond. And I'm, I'm, it's a very compelling book and I, and I like it. Um, it's, it's funny too. And you learn a different side of, uh, of, of Barack Obama uh, and what read. led him to his ultimate success being the president of the United States. Everyone read. 
Maximum respect. Maximum. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please subscribe to the show and give us a five-star review and even drop us a comment if something really stood out to you.